0: Outlines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the last segment this week of Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser, where we talk about those most controversial topics between Islam and freedom, between Islamism and liberty, in which we confront those topics that most programs are just want to avoid and really the only program I think in the West, led by an American Muslim dedicated to reform in the United States. The country is mourning now the loss of a great one, the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali, a boxer who I grew up certainly watching and and waiting on the edge of my seat to watch uh, Uh, in the the ring. Uh, But he's a complicated man, a man who had many different battles that he fought and brought me to think a lot about the role of my faith with my country. And ultimately, I chose a path in which, yes, Muhammad Ali inspired me to want to exercise, to want to be strong, to believe that I could do what I wanted to do. He was one of those that inspired anyone who paid attention to his confidence, sometimes his bombastic confidence that he had. But ultimately, in my choice to join the U.S. Navy and to serve my country, his example and his use of Islam and the Quran to separate himself from duty to country and service because of a war that he disagreed with, ultimately, I think served as an example for me as an American Muslim of what not to do and i say this with tough love and you know i've gotten so much criticism on social media from radicals like yasser kadi who the new york times called the america's most influential imam with uh, who has uh, who runs the el uh, maghrib institute and is a professor in tennessee to tell you the language this guy used because I simply had the temerity, I guess, to commit the blasphemy of praising Ali's spirit, praising his his um, tenacity, but then criticizing his decision not to serve in the U.S. Army and his decision to ultimately use the legal system to dodge the draft he found to be abominable and called me things that I just won't, won't, cannot repeat on this podcast, uh, using phrases like bootlicking and uh, other just unbelievable terms that then got spread throughout the internet. And I tell you this because this is the battle we're up against, is that there are times in which there are core issues that shape the identity of Muslim youth across this country. And Clay versus the United States of America is one of those cases that I read when I was a teenager deciding whether to serve in the U.S. Navy. And to say that it's not relevant on his death as the world is honoring the death of Muhammad Ali and honoring his service to America, his service and and all of the inspiration that he provided for us not to have this conversation. Every news story talked about the case, talked about uh, uh, how he was— Uh, lauded and vilified. So I think it's appropriate to have this conversation about what Clay versus the United States was. And I do think first I will use the words of President George Bush who gave him the Medal of Freedom. George Bush, uh, 43, he said, When you say the greatest of all time is in the room, everyone knows who you mean. It's quite a claim to make, but as Muhammad Ali once said, it's not bragging if you can back it up. And this man backed it up. And... The award wasn't without controversy. Several members of the Veterans of Foreign Wars, which I am a member of, by the way, I'm a VFW vet, complained because the anti-war icon was receiving the award. So, I will tell you that uh, many of the Muslim textbooks that we teach our kids in Sunday school have a whole section of pages about Muhammad Ali when they talk about great, honorable Western Muslims that are heroes for the American Muslim community. And it wasn't a coincidence in the Sunday school that I taught kids here in uh, Phoenix that uh, only a a month or so after I had uh, said that uh, I disagreed with him being elevated to hero status, yes, he was influential, yes, he brought smiles and a positive image of the first name Muhammad, and in many, for many especially those who were against the war. They saw his battle as being one that means they equated with a good Islam because they also did not want to go to Vietnam. But for many of us that believe that the citizenship oath means something, that it means that you will protect this country against enemies, foreign and domestic, and if your government decides that we should go to war, even if we disagree, we go to war. That ultimately there is a loyalty that's involved in that citizenship oath. It doesn't mean we don't question our government, but it does mean that that citizenship oath carries meaning. I'll remind you what that oath is it says that I will bear true faith and allegiance, that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will bear arms on behalf of the U.S. when required by the law, that I will perform non-combatant service in the armed forces when required by the law, that I will perform the work of national importance under civilian direction when required by the law, and that I will take this obligation freely without any mental reservation. So Cassius Clay, who then, when he converted to Islam, became Muhammad Ali, fought this. Now, certainly he had more courage than most draft dodgers, like even many of the political candidates from both parties that we know that uh, uh, avoided the draft. Because he didn't dodge it, technically. He used the court system to get out of it. And he faced the law. And ultimately was initially denied it and was uh, stripped of his license, of his practice of boxing, and spent three years appealing the decision. But I think what's important here is to look at that decision. And ultimately, the Supreme Court reversed that decision. I will tell you here on this program that that ranks up there as one of the worst decisions of our Supreme Court. Not because people can't conscientiously object, but the rules for conscientious objections are pretty clear and there are three criteria that you must that Americans must meet but the main one is that Americans who invoke this uh say that they they have to be opposed to war in any form the department's letter said at the time that the petitioner expressed beliefs that do not appear to preclude military service in any form, but rather were limited to military service in the armed forces of the United States in particular. So these constitute only objections to certain types of war in certain circumstances, rather than a general scruple against participation in any war. And that's what conscientious objection is, and that's why they denied this to Muhammad Ali. And... They went on in the decision to say why the teachings of the Nation of Islam, a separatist movement that refused to serve in the military, were not because of objections to participation in war, but rather because of political and racial objections. And this was the debate that was had. And I I will tell you that when we look, this is not only a simple, small debate when it comes to Muhammad Ali. This is an icon who kids looked up to. And if our youth look up to a Muslim, who then, if you look at the arguments that he made, he told the court, he told the court that, um, he told the court that he was quote sincere in every bit of what the Holy Qur'an, the teachings of the honorable Elijah Muhammad tell us, and it is that we are not to participate in wars on the side of nobody who on the side of the unbelievers, the non-believers, and this is a Christian country, and this is not a Muslim country. And the government and the history and the facts shows that every move towards the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is made to distort and is made to ridicule him and is made to condemn him, him and the government has admitted that the police of Los Angeles were wrong in, about attacking and killing our brothers and sisters and they were wrong in Newark, New Jersey, they were wrong in Louisiana, And he goes on and he says, So we are not according to the Holy Qur'an to even as much as aid in passing a cup of water to the even a wounded. I mean, this is in the Holy Qur'an, Ali said. And as I said earlier, this is not me talking to get the draft board or to dodge nothing. This is there before I was born and will always be there and always be part of what the Holy Qur'an teaches us. And he says the Qur'an defined jihad as an injunction to the believers to war against non-believers. And then he quotes the Qur'an and says, O ye who believe, shall I guide you to the faithful trade and save you from painful punishment? Believe in Allah. And he goes on to describe jihad. So ultimately, war, he says, is not exclusive type of jihad. There is action of the believer's heart by his tongue, by his hands, etc the jihad in other words is a sanction against polytheism a refusal to pay the poll tax and he goes on and says thus in islam as in western christendom the jihad is the bellum justum the jihad is the muslim's counterpart of the just war so he felt this was not a just war and he explained it in very islamic terms and this is what breaks my heart God rest his soul, God thank Muhammad Ali for his power, his strength, and the image of of unity that he gave, and especially the work that he did against racism to elevate and not stand for anything less than equal at the time of very tense race relations in America, in which Martin Luther King and others rose above and led us to an America that we are proud of today. That in which racism plays a much lesser role. It's not gone, but it certainly plays a much lesser role, thanks to leaders like Muhammad Ali. But when it comes to Islam, I'm sorry, Clay versus the United States is not anything I'm proud of. Our youth should be proud to serve in our military. They should be lining up in droves, as I said in last week's podcast, about will our youth want to die for America, or will they rather die for ISIS? It's not just telling them dying for ISIS is bad. They want to have to, they have to want to rather die for America and die for freedom. And this case, to me, is, runs at the core of what we have to fight against, the sense that America is not ours, that our military is not our military, but it's somebody else's military, that freedom is something that just comes out of the, the air and is not fought for and defended. That is what is eroding the Muslim identity and what is making Americans not trust us. And now enter Senator Paul. Senator Paul, now in his libertarian isolationist mentality, is exploiting the death of Muhammad Ali in order to put forth an attempt to attend to, to end selective service. And I'll say exploiting. I'm very upset at this legislation because the legislation he's trying to put through, he's naming after Muhammad Ali because the hometown of Muhammad Ali is Louisville, Kentucky. It's where uh, he would be buried. And ultimately, he is going to use the Muhammad Ali legislation to end the selective service. And Paul says, one thing I liked about Muhammad Ali is that he would stand on principle even when it was unpopular. He said in Louisville, you know the criminal justice system I say now has a racial justice disparity. Selective service had a racial disparity because a lot of rich white kids either got a deferment or went to college or got out of the draft. I'm opposed to selective service. There's no doubt there was a a selective racial disparity. But what is Senator Paul, what are many of these people saying to the blacks that served honorably and did not? questioned their citizenship oath or violated and went to serve, and some did not come back. They paid the ultimate sacrifice in Vietnam or in any other of the wars that we fought, be it Desert Storm or the wars we continue to fight in Afghanistan and in Iraq. The message to them is, well, you were too wimpy to have, you should have stood for your ground and not served in these wars. Because of the racial disparity, there should not be selective service. Now, they they would say that those are volunteers, many of them. But in Vietnam, many weren't, and they did not come back. So shame on you, Senator Paul, to use this time to advance your own libertarian agenda of trying to end selective service in the name of Muhammad Ali, so that forever Americans will associate a desire to not serve with the name Muhammad when in fact our armed services are full of Muslims who serve honorably and have wanted to serve and would be willing to serve if called upon and mandated by our government and not by volunteer. Countries like Israel and other free countries succeed because every citizen knows they need to serve their military. And I understand the need for a volunteer service. There may be a time, though, when we need our selective service, and I would not end it now, and especially in the name of a Muslim who chose to invoke jihad, invoke the Qur'an, and invoke his Islamic identity at the time with the Nation of Islam and with Elijah Muhammad. But it doesn't matter. He was reading the same scripture I did. And there may be many explanations, but I do not want to see my kids see a legislation under the name of Muhammad be used to end a central part of the loyalty that's demanded as part of our citizenship oath, and if citizens don't want to serve their military then don't take the oath and don't become a citizen but if you become an american citizen and you take the oath to defend this country from enemies foreign and domestic unless you are belong to a faith that's completely pacifist which nobody could ever argue that islam is a pacifist religion then you need to be able to serve in our military And as much as I I am proud of the fact that Muhammad Ali had the courage and the gumption to stand his ground and lose his years of fighting, at least three years at the peak of his career, for this conviction, it breaks my heart that he did it under the name of Islam and by calling that his jihad. This is why we need reform. You cannot anymore... Jihad will only exist as long as there's a concept of a state. This is why the nation of Islam believes in jihad, because they're a separatist movement that believes in their own state at the time led by Elijah Muhammad. Now since then, Muhammad Ali left the nation of Islam, became Sunni and reported being Sufi. But the bottom line is, is that even the Islamists of the Sunni or the Shia version of Islamism, believe that jihad is inspired by identity of the Islamic State and the loyalty to that faith is bonded to the loyalty of the military of that Islamic State. And this is why, again, the language that Muhammad Ali used in his testimony to the Supreme Court and to the courts that refused his conscientious objection. I have written about refusal that the Secretary of the Army should not have given conscientious objection to the uh, Muslim that he did a couple years ago. And I would ask you to take a look at that because then that individual then ended up being arrested for committing an act of terror. But again, separate that out. His conscientious objection was born from being Muslim and not wanting to go kill other Muslims. That's absurd. We need to push that reformists begin to redefine and end violent jihad, period. That as we belong to the greatest states, the greatest country in the world, which is free and democratic, we can no longer talk about jihad, and we can't end it by simply saying it's ended. We have to reform the ideas and say that loyalty to American military secular system demands that we end the concepts of violent jihad. And that will not only end islamist ideas but it'll end the fuel for terrorism. So call Senator Paul's office, tell them to stop this nonsense in the name of Islam. Honor Muhammad Ali in other ways, glorifying his 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 history, his story, his uh, work on civil rights for the African American community, his work for Parkinson's disease, his work for peace, his work against a radical Islam and his work against terrorism. Yes, he was very clear in his condemnation of terrorism. But his Clay versus the United States of America was a blight, and I am offended that that would be used as an iconic way to keep his memory. Thank you for joining me this week on Reform This. This is Doctor Zudi Jasser. Reform This with Doctor Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today, the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. And then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done...